second scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke. Listen for God's word to us today. With him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. A woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom the canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love, for the one to whom little is forgiven loves little." This is the word of the Lord. Poor Simon. He never sees it coming, does he? I mean, he's just minding his own pharisaical business, inviting a visiting rabbi to his house, feeding him and his hungry companions. It's the right thing to do, don't you know? And he's just checking this rabbi out. I mean, making sure that the people of his town won't be led astray or duped. That's his responsibility, after all. Then, then this woman appears. A woman that Simon knows well. A woman whose life is a mess. And she touches Jesus, and she kisses his feet, and she cries, and she anoints Jesus with costly ointment. And the perfume of that ointment, it hangs in the air, as does Simon's self-righteous judgment, right? If Jesus is truly great, he would know what kind of woman this is. If Jesus comes from God, he would have nothing to do with her. Poor Simon, so sure of himself, so superior to those with messy lives, so ready to judge Jesus and find him wanting, and he never sees it coming. Simon doesn't recognize that Jesus is about to make an example of his superior attitude. 
of his judgmental heart. This morning, as we continue to explore tough love, what the gospel teaches about loving like Jesus, last week we focused on the first step of loving like Jesus, slowing down, paying attention, looking, and truly seeing one another. And today, with Simon's help, we're going to focus on attitudes of the heart that greatly limit our love. In his book entitled Love Walked Among Us, Paul Miller makes an important and kind of graphic observation. He writes, a bad hair day is just that, a bad hair day. Everyone sees it, including you. But bad breath is different. Others smell it, but you can't. Self-righteousness, thinking that we are better than someone else, is like bad breath. Others can smell it, but you can't. Simon can't smell his sense of superiority. He can't detect the judgmental way that he views the people around him, but Jesus can. And Jesus knows that such self-righteousness places strong limits on our ability to love. And this matters, friends. This matters because each of us have a Simon within us, an inner Pharisee that assumes superiority. And if you're sitting there thinking, not me, I just made my point. In a recent study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, when participants were asked to predict what they and others would do in a certain circumstance, the participants always predicted that they would do the right thing a lot more often than the people around them. But when confronting those circumstances in the real world, they didn't do nearly as well as they had predicted. Most of us think we are above average in a lot of things, especially when it comes to morality, says David Dunning, a professor of psychology at Cornell University. People see themselves as being fairer, more altruistic, more self-sacrificing, and more moral than the people around them, Dunning says. In short, most of us think we are really holier than thou. I knew a couple of uh, sisters, they grew up in one of my churches, they were both great kids, they were growing up in a really good family, they were smart, they were personable, they were fun, they were the ones that always had the answers in the children's sermon time. But in the middle of high school, one of them began to struggle with social anxiety, and suddenly things were more difficult for her. One thing led to another, and she began to cope with her anxiety by using alcohol. And it created a havoc in that family. It was a struggle. But like many strong families, they worked through it. The girl got help. She went into sobriety and out of sobriety and back into sobriety. And eventually, she came to grips with being an alcoholic. But her relationship with her sister was shattered. Her sister harbored anger, anger at the family's suffering, anger at the selfishness of her sibling, anger at the way the sibling got resources and, and attention from the family. 
and she developed a very strong sense of superiority, a sense that she was the responsible child, that she was the good child, that she was the child that didn't burden her parents, that she was the child that did the things right. And her self-righteous, harsh attitude toward her sister became just as much of a burden on that family, as difficult on that family, as her siblings' addiction. Self-righteousness places strong limits on the ability to love. And this family suffered because love, real love, tough love, just couldn't exist between these sisters. It was terribly sad. It was as sad as Simon the Pharisee watching Jesus with his nose in the air or watching the woman lavish love upon Jesus while rolling his eyes. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't leave Simon to his sad, limited view of those around him. Jesus didn't leave Simon to his small heart and his restricted ability to love. No. Jesus went right at him. Simon, he said... Let me tell you a story. Two men had their debts canceled. One owed a modest amount of money, but the other owed a small fortune. Who do you think loved the creditor more? Well, said Simon, I imagine the one who owed the fortune. I imagine he loved the creditor more. Exactly, said Jesus. Now look. Look at this woman. Look at her. Look at her heart, her love. While you remain aloof and judging and condemning, this woman shows great love. And you know the difference between you, Simon? This woman knows that her life is a mess. She knows she doesn't have it all together. She knows she needs forgiveness and mercy. She knows these things, and it opens her eyes. It opens her heart she can see what you can't, that God makes beauty of our mess. She sees that mercy and forgiveness, that it transforms our lives and our world, so she loves. She loves openly and willingly, and you, well, you don't, and you won't, not as long as you believe yourself to be superior, without fault, justified in all you do. The scene comes to an end, and friends, we never hear of Simon the Pharisee again. He never appears again in the Gospels. And we'll never know if he took Jesus' lesson to heart. Later in Luke's Gospel, Jesus does tell a parable about a Pharisee, a Pharisee praying in the temple. You remember that guy? The one who prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, those thieves and rogues and adulterers, or not even like this tax collector praying over there. In that story, as Jesus told it, the tax collector was just standing far off, wouldn't even look up, and just kept saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus tells everyone who's listening, it was that one, the tax collector who went home justified, not the Pharisee. I have always wondered if Jesus thought of Simon when he created that parable. Friends, here's the hard truth 
Here's the tough lesson about love for us this morning. We are all a mess. Sure, some of us hide it better than others. We can even hide it from ourselves, but we are all a mess. That means we all stand in need of God's forgiveness and mercy, every one of us. And the tough lesson about love, the tough lesson, it's easy to look at others and rate ourselves against the mess of their lives. But Jesus teaches us to begin with our own mess, to begin with our own need, because it's there then as we experience God's spirit creating beauty in our mess that our love for others, mess and all, begins to grow and deepen and bear fruit. Remember the two sisters I spoke of a few minutes ago? Well, the most interesting thing happened. One night, the good sibling, the self-righteous sibling, the one so angry and judgmental, she made a huge mistake, a monumental mistake. She got behind the wheel of a car filled with drunk friends. They were leaving a party and she was the least impaired of the group. And thanks be to God, they got stopped by the police before anyone got hurt. They all ended up in jail. And in an instant, there she was. She was the child who needed a lawyer. She was the child who was messed up. She was the child who almost killed her friends. And she could hardly live with that. Suddenly she saw quite clearly that she needed help, that she needed forgiveness, that she lacked good judgment. And her heart, her little judgmental heart, it cracked wide open. According to her parents, the best thing to come out of this messy situation was real understanding and real tough love between two sisters who had desperately missed one another. Writer and theologian Mike Iaconelli puts it this way. He says, I'm unfinished, I'm unfixed. The reality is that's where God meets me the mess of my life, in the unfixedness, in the brokenness. I thought God did the opposite. I thought he got rid of that kind of stuff. But if you read the Bible, if you look at it all, he's constantly showing up in people's lives in their mess and in their need. Do you want to love like Jesus? Well, it begins with understanding your own weakness, your own sin, and your own mess. Start by understanding the beauty of your own forgiveness, the beauty of your own transformation in the midst of mess, and then, then your love for others, mess and all, can grow. Jesus said it this way on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, why do you see the splinter in your neighbor's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your neighbor, let me help you with that splinter, while the log is in your own eye? 
you hypocrite. Take the log out of your own eye first, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. The problem with you and me, the problem with the church, the problem with our families, we try to love, we try to act in love, we try to show love, we try to remove splinter after splinter after splinter in the people around us, but we won't take the time, we won't risk it, we won't be troubled to deal with our own mess, our own sin, our own need. And our love will be found lacking and weak, maybe even hypocritical, because of our judgment, because of our superiority, because of our self-righteousness. Friends, don't forget that our God shows us how to love. You heard the choir sing about it just a few minutes ago. Our God so loved the world that he sent his son, our savior Jesus, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. And if we're to love like that, there's no place for superiority. There's no time for superiority. There's no call for superiority. Thanks be to God for meeting us in the mess of life. Thanks be to God for making beauty of our mess, for real forgiveness and mercy and transformation that allows us to begin again and again. And thanks be to God when such experiences open our hearts to one another and teach us tough love. Let us pray. Loving and forgiving God, come near us now. Take the logs out of our eyes and allow us to see our need. Take the logs out of our eyes and allow us to see your mercy. Help us, God, to be slow to judge others, slow to point out their splinters, slow to condemn. Fill us with love that can only come from you and from the joy of our salvation. Amen.